Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, that's awesome. Okay, I love it. <laughs> they just have an old VHS. So we'll fix the plot diverse. hole this way. <laughs> oh, that no, no, actually, I love it. That is brilliant. <laughs> Hi, I'm Abby. I'm Paul. And I'm Chelsea. And welcome to Three to Beam Up. And today we're going to be talking about Squire of Gothos. So, uh, this is, uh, you know, I, well, I'm going to come out and say it. I think this is a pretty good episode. And our good episodes tend to run lo- uh, shorter than our, our bad episodes. So, um, I have some Pepper Charm cookies. <laughs> <laughs> it's approaching the holiday season. It. I don't know if you want to um, guess what type they are. but Are they the mint, uh, the mint peppermint ones? Wait, there's mint Do those peppermint even exist? ones? I think so. I think there's peppermint ones. Are you thinking about Girl Scout cookies? No. Ooh, I love Girl Scout cookies, which you can also buy starting in December. <laughs> oh, this is, wait, can you? Is that when they start? Yes, I was a Girl Scout leader. Yeah, well, they made it earlier in the last couple of years. When did they traditionally start? The spring? Yeah, the spring. Because we can't we can't cross like our, our cookie advertisements. <laughs> we really need to stick with Pepper <laughs> Boy, Yeah, but I'd rather support Girl this Scouts. It's very hard to open. Um, are they? Do they have sprinkles? Because I hate sprinkles. Um, I guess in a sense. Yeah, sprinkles are not. Well, I not, like not in the traditional sense of sprinkles. No, they don't have sprinkles. Good. At least you're not a no monster. Guesses. You, you, I mean, it's it's the holiday season. Like I said, there are now holiday pepper farm out. This really sounds like an ad. Um, they're, they're, they're like raspberry ones. Listeners, we do not get monies <laughs> from Pepperidge Farm. But if anyone from Pepperidge Farm is listening and wants to sponsor us once again, <laughs> I will say your cookies are good for money. I mean, I, I'm saying they're good for free because they're... <laughs> not really free. You paid for them, I hope. <laughs> well, that's yeah, true. we paid them that's to true. say it. I mean, judging by the price on the package, roughly $4. <laughs> oh, wow. Man, these are actually really good. These are raspberry... Fr- yeah, in any case... It was a good episode, too, though. That's why I'm uh, feeling air. Paul, why do you wait till we're on air to eat cookies? I mean, if I was eating them off air, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have any effect. Oh, dear. I, uh, I so, like this. What, um, anyway, I think it's a good episode, too. And I also don't have a lot of notes because it is so good. I think it's but- fine. <laughs> I will, I would talk about the beginning, and I know I say this like every other episode, but I love this beginning because it's just like an average day in the life of the people on the ship. <laughs> They're just like hanging around, like bantering drinking together. Something. Drinking coffee. I, yeah, drinking I coffee. literally, my Wait, first, it, it, my first note is space business, space business, doing space stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Is the idea like it's an early morning shift or something that they all have coffee? Sure, it might be, or they're taking a break. I don't know. It's like it's time for it's coffee. coffee time. <laughs> they never eat. They never drink coffee any other time, right? No, they do. They have coffee from time to time. It happens in several. It episodes. happens. It does. Okay, happen. Not all of them at once. No, not usually. It's usually one or two okay. people. Like ask we also, for I think, I think it was last episode. It could have been two episodes ago that we said, for the purpose of a bingo, 
anytime McCoy drinks anything, we're presuming that <laughs> well, it's liquor. So. Yes, but he, he also does drink liquor. He totally like, he does drink wine it. later. But he says that it's not wine, like it has no taste, that it has no, right? It's essentially water later. But it, they do look like coffee cups, but I think we do have to assume that McCoy spiked the Oh, coffee. he put Bailey's at least in it, his for coffee. sure, at least. So. I mean, obviously. That's just how that bones works. <laughs> He is such an alcoholic. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> oh my goodness. I do I do like how I, I, I don't know how they chose like Sulu and, and Kirk to be the ones Kirk. to disappear. Like how did Trelane? You know, I like, thought that was refreshing. Them? Yeah. No, I like it was I like that it was Sulu, but I it was more of a like how did how did Trelane just pick people to to steal? Yeah, it's especially confusing because he doesn't seem to know there's women. So yeah. is he just like picking up on some sort of life sign and then grabbing them? And just yeah, it willy sort willy. of seemed like you know. It, it, I mean, to go to the metaphor of the end of the episode, which I guess we'll, we'll spoil early. Um, he, he's he's a child reaching into a box of toys, right? Well, I he guess so. perhaps the first two he his hands touch. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, that's fine. I do enjoy. So once they're gone and they're like, we want to send a search party, and Spock's like, yes, we will send oh a search gosh. party, and, Mr. and Scott's like, I want to go, and, and Spock <laughs> yeah. is like, no, Mr. Scott, you and I can't be spared. We need to send other people, and I'm like, oh my god, someone's <laughs> finally yeah, sending a well, search party. Well, not finally. Yeah, this is like early enough in the series that Spock still cares about being in command. Like he right. still <laughs> respects the rules of command and how this is supposed to work. Well, um, but it's not just that. Like Bones is like, well, I, like I want to go too. Like, why aren't we going right now? And Spock's like. I'm responsible for your safety. <laughs> like, so this is good. on me. Yeah, like, let's... chill out, dude. Let me, like, make sure there's oxygen. Yeah, I meant to go back, because he talks about, like, how poisonous the atmosphere is, and that there's, uh, I think he says, like, tornadic winds and all this sort of stuff. And they're like, <laughs> yeah, I guess this, like, airplane oxygen mask is just, that is probably fine. It'll be okay. <laughs> like, Wait, I read about that on Memory Alpha. They were thinking about putting him in, like, the jumpsuits. But, like, apparently one of the notes from uh, higher-ups was just, like, you can't reuse those jumpsuits again. Like, you're already reusing so many things in this episode. Like you can't No, that wasn't that the thing. reason they didn't use the jumpsuits. The reason they didn't use the jumpsuits was because they look ridiculous. Do yeah. not put your main characters in those jumpsuits. It also, I mean, it, it obscures the costuming. As soon as they get down, they take them off. So then it's a question of, like, well, then you have to have seen where they take off, like, a spacesuit. I'm just saying, like, they could have had a rebreather. They could have had a more intense of mask um, and I would have bought it um, or maybe like some gloves yeah. um, well I just like how the science officer like they get down there and the science officer takes off the mask kind of looks around and is like yeah it's fine yeah, right. <laughs> no it's all good we can do this it's fine yeah what did they say was in the atmosphere uh, I did not write that down I didn't do what Chelsea always does and go to the transcript. It's science um, quarter. Go to the transcript. Well, while you're looking at that up, Bingo, can I yeah. ask, is this the Cat's Paw Castle and slash is it the same set for Requiem for Methuselah? Ooh. Probably. Because it looked just like Requiem. It probably is. I don't think it's the same castle as Cat's Paw, but I do, I wouldn't doubt that it's the same kind of interior set. Like, they have, like, the same harpsichord. Like, I think the tapestry, the carpet, a bunch of the furniture might be the same. Oh, probably. I'm sure they reused a whole bunch of stuff from wherever, from the prop warehouse and everything. I mean, it just makes sense. Mm. So, I also like when Kirk and Sulu are frozen in that beginning scene, and Kirk definitely blinks and moves. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a hard stage direction. 
<laughs> yeah, say, stand like don't a move statue. Keep your eyes open, but don't move. Um, yeah, to, to, to finish, that science corner is not going very far because they just say it's toxic, right? Toxic, extremely yeah. hot, toxic atmosphere. Swept by tornadoes. Well, storm. still, they should have had um, a suit on. Yeah, I mean, they should have extremely hot. Like, what is extremely hot from a planetary perspective? Like, pretty hot, probably well over two, three hundred degrees. Unless um, we assume like it's like TAS and they have some sort of force field around them. Sure. Um, that, that still, the toxic atmosphere is a big problem because <laughs> even when he sends Kirk out. It's like, well, there's lots of chemicals that it's not, it's not, he's not going to die of asphyxiation. He's going to die of the toxic chemicals, um, which acts right. a lot quicker than just like not having oxygen. Um, and it's much more problematic than just having like a little pack of oxygen because it's not, they're not pumping pure oxygen in those masks. Um, who knows? Hopefully. Extremely weak science corner. Let's just, <laughs> let's just move on. <laughs> what? So we meet the squire and I remembered the whole time that he was a child. Um, so I didn't think he was off, but I could see how you could definitely think he was a bit off if you didn't realize that or know that yet. I mean, he's alien, right? He, he's yeah. very otherly. Um, he's very otherly. Yeah, he's, he's just kind I think of... Works. He's Yeah, he, he does the kind of off-putting weirdness quite well. He's also... He's a great actor. Oh, he's a great actor, yeah. Who was this? This was... Um, William Campbell. He also William plays... Campbell, yeah. uh, uh, Korloth? Uh, yeah, Koloth, the Klingon, in Tribbles and then in, later in DS9. Oh, wow. Oh, I can't wait mm-hmm. for that. That's right. Yeah. So he shows oh, up that's right. again. Yeah, he's, he's great so at So we're going to get to see him again. He, Excellent. And, <clears throat> so, and, and we'll get to this too, right? It's very terrifically... Uh, you could tell that Q from TNG is very inspired by this. Oh, for sure. Oh, um, yeah. Both in the writing like the and I think the, the acting. Um, yes, definitely. That even like... Yeah, yeah, very much so. I remembered I had another science corner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it plays out throughout the episode. But they talk about being in this star desert, right? Oh, yeah. Which I thought was just... Uh, is that a real thing? Because I was just taking that to be a big metaphor. Uh, well, I mean, from a planet's perspective, it's pretty easy to be in a star desert, I suppose. Like, if you're just... Uh, you have to be a rogue planetoid, right? You, you d- you're not in a solar system um, that you don't have a star, um, and once you're out of a solar system, like if you're out of the plane of our solar system, yeah, there's not many stars nearby. Um, so they shouldn't think that this is odd necessarily, unless there aren't stars like anywhere nearby. Which is what I was thinking they meant. Which you could also find, but then later they talk about like the solar system, like that this planet is in its solar system or they have to get out of the solar, I think the word is. Yeah, which didn't make sense. Because yeah, I they, mean, like, Voyager said, goes through a star desert that's, like, huge. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it would take Well, they're also crossing, cross. you know, huge swaths of, of the Delta Quadrant, right? Right. Um, yeah. But it's not like that at all, it seems. Yeah, I think later, it's when they say, like, how far do we have to go before we could radio? And he says, like, well, you know, where uh, when we entered the solar system is when we, and it's like, well, you can't say solar system if you don't have a star, <laughs> if this is just a planet, but. Hey, we also know how w- approximately where they are, right? They say they're yeah, about 900, 900 light years um, away. Which is another um, problematic science quarter. Um, <laughs> because I, I like this idea that um, that he is, he's got some telescope or something extremely powerful or whatever. Or space powers, right? Space powers. Space powers, so much space powers. Um, well, I mean, he could have built himself a really great telescope. But he is watching Earth. He, like, watched where... He just watches planets, right, essentially. It would have to be the idea. Um, so when he gets there, he's like, oh, yeah, I've watched your planet. But um, the light 
from Earth that is reaching him is 900 years old, right? Because light travels at the speed of light. Um, so it would take 900 years for the, the light from a, an event or anything happening on Earth to reach his planet, um, which means that him looking at it is looking at 900 years into the past, which Kirk's, Kirk hits on, right? Which is, is, is how that would work. Um, except the time is all off. Except the time is all off, right? That he's Because of Alexander Hamilton. And... Yeah, he's talking about things that happened in like the 16th, 17th, 18th centuries. 19th century. Yeah, yeah, when he should be talking about things that are happening in, like, the 14th century um, and not have any knowledge past that, which is easily fixed by just changing that number at the front from 900 to, like, 600, um, which is a super easy fix. But they, they, didn't, they yeah. got, like, 80% of the way there to a, a cool idea. It was close. Um, and then they For just Star Trek, it was closer than usual, frankly. Oh, yeah. Frankly, <laughs> yeah. super closer. If you usual. weren't paying attention. <laughs> um, and I can see how in the 60s, they probably were just like, yeah, whatever. Well, and, and they don't nail out. down dates super well here, right? So, um, right. again, this is a, this is a almost one-off writer, right? This um, writer wrote, I want to say one other yeah. thing. Um, so he might not even know what century they're in, frankly. Or if he knows, he doesn't pay attention to it um so maybe he thinks they're in the 26th century or who knows yeah it was yeah that part that part doesn't bother me as much that he's he's you know he's behind where where they actually are in history which is fine and makes it kind of interesting really um for how he interacts with the crew but i don't understand how once he realizes that he's behind he doesn't kind of try to catch up i I, like because he keeps kind of putting off Kirk and the crew to, from talking about where they are now. And I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. Cause I'd be like, Oh, my interpretation is he's just a child. Well, like, he yeah. Doesn't, he yeah. just doesn't want to. He's just like a little, little kid. Yeah. So he doesn't even care that he made a mistake. He just wants to, he's just like, whatever. He, he's, he's leaning into the error. Right. And just saying like, no, this is how your planet is. Right. It's, it's the thing he's seen. Um, and that actually, like, it's it's a brilliant trope because when the character is like a little kid, like, they, there's so much that can be gotten away with, right? That wouldn't like normally work in a Trek episode. Oh sure, yeah. The fact that he's so playful and yeah. Um, I mean, there's just so carefree. Much. Like, if he was if he was serious about this and like, hey, I built you this place, did not uh, did that that happened in a different episode, didn't it? Um, well, there's the get, the imaginary put planet in a zoo. Yeah. Oh, which one? Sorry. There's there's the imaginary planet, like shore leave. Yeah, that one. Shore leave. Is that the one? There's there's one I know where like somebody gives Kirk something, or gives somebody something. Wow, I'm being very vague. And he's like, no, that's like not something we do anymore. Or, oh well, there's like, the well, there's Cat's Paw where it's like here's jewels, and they're like we don't. Oh really yeah, use that's, these. that's what I'm thinking of. Yep, yep, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Uh, and then they're like, but we read your books. <laughs> we thought you liked these. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, that would be the, the the sort of idea here. And then they they just sort of say, oh, well, okay, we have other things. But if they're trying to be serious, if he said, like, here are the, here's, like, things you like, and they're like, uh, we don't do that, and then he was just sad, that doesn't play as well. So Yeah. Um, to, to, to stick around on that point one, one bit more, 
um, when McCoy starts drinking because he does immediately. Um, <laughs> well, I like how his was... first thoughts. No, he's like, I want to eat the buffet and drink the drink. <laughs> yeah, he's, well, the first, the like only person Vegas, that Trelane right? offers a drink to is Bones. <laughs> I know. He's like, I smell an alcoholic. Yep. Oh, it's you. He's like, oh, I could tell you were drinking that coffee earlier. Um, so it, it raises a point. And again, they don't dwell on this, so it's really starting to nitpick. Um, but. The idea is, McCoy says, you know, the wine has no flavor, the food has no flavor, um, the fire isn't real, it's just an image of a fire. Yeah. Um, the sort of picture he's painting, if you, like, dig into that, is that he does just have some sort of weird telescope or something, right? So he's seeing what happens on Earth. And but he, he's not experiencing it. But he's not experiencing it, and he's not able to taste things. Um, yeah, he can't go there, apparently. But then, that, then the next logical question would be... Um, Right, the idea that if he doesn't know the taste of wine, how does he know the sound of music or the form of speech? Right, how is he speaking in a, a spoken language that he's only seen in text? Uh, how is he making sounds that he's only seen in musical notation? Maybe if he has a telescope. So I think like... the implication was that he must somehow like it's not a telescope; it's like a view screen. Well, even a view screen, right, would not give. Uh, audio a few screen with sound <laughs> well so then the sound would not match up if we're taking this to be the idea that the light has to travel there because sound travels a lot slower than light so he'd be getting yeah. light from so 900 years like ago and sound from his... like millennia right. ago well, maybe his parents are just like popping in like an old video oh i love it oh yeah he's... oh that's awesome okay i love it <laughs> <laughs> they just have an old VHS. Of, we'll fix the plot diverse. hole this way. <laughs> oh, that no, no, actually, I love it. That is brilliant. <laughs> and that's why he knows some future history because he's seen like all these things. Yeah, but his parents have just like have these videotapes of Earth stuff, and they're like, "Here's a planet. Watch it for a while." They, they just put them in front of a screen. Yeah. <laughs> Here's and your screen time school. for the day, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> I think that fixes wow. it. Okay. Problem solved. All right. All right. I'm problem awesome. Solved. I am a theorist. <laughs> no, honestly, that, that completely solves the problem because then he would know the form of speech. He would know the sound of music, but he would not know the taste of wine. Yeah. Perfect. Um, I have a science question. Kind of. Not really science. Um, when he vaporizes those statues, are those frozen people like Kirk? So is he killing people? I don't think so. Like, is he killing creatures? I don't think so. Because Sulu and Kirk were going to be two of those statues. But they weren't stone. But they weren't stone. I think the statues fit the... What? I thought they were stone statues. Maybe they didn't pay enough attention to the statues. No, I thought they were like living creatures that had just been frozen like Kirk and Sulu. Abby? I have no idea. I do know that one of the, the, the creatures was the alien from the man trap. Hmm. Yeah, that's... So there's that. Which we haven't watched Which yet, haven't but has happened yet. in continuity. Yeah, so. yeah, in continuity is a very early episode, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I, maybe then. I, I, I'm not sure I would say either one way or another. I didn't watch I it. Kinda I kind of thought taxidermy, but I mean, that doesn't, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't really think about it that hard. <laughs> yeah, I, th I thought the only statues I really paid attention to were statues that looked very period specific to Earth. So I thought he just had, you know, decorated the place. But if there's one from the man trap, then yeah, that's a good question. Should we talk about the racism? Oh, God. Sure. About the... um, yep. okay. Oh, my God. Poor Uhura. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, was maybe rough. the weakest part of the episode, right? That was super Well, there's rough. a couple really bad moments. Though, obviously, I think the one with 
you are uh, is the worst the nubian prize comment. Yeah, dear god and then she's relegated to the role of like slave slash servant she's immediately put under his control like forced yeah very much to, like yeah, make the, the, the music for him the metaphor like, is super troubling. uncomfortable the metaphor yeah. is very troubling <laughs> It's very like... Matrix, though, too, that she says, like, I can't play piano. And then he, he snaps his fingers. She's like, I could play piano. Um, <laughs> very Matrix. I know Kung Fu. <laughs> and it's also super sexist. That look that Spock gives when, like, the squire is doing all that introducing stuff with the ladies. Spock is just, like, gives this, like, is exasperated sigh. Poor Spock in this episode gets exasperated, like, a hundred times. Yeah, well, it's yeah. his whole... It, it makes sense for his character, though. He has that beautiful line about, I object to you. I, you right. know, that, I am, you know, whatever the, I object to you... Well, what is it? Now I... The exact one. Yeah, I, I object to you. I object uh, to intellect without discipline. I object to power without constructive yep. purpose. I was like, that was one of the best lines of the episode because he yeah, was Spock's... just like, he, he, you know, it's very Spock to be like, I don't, this doesn't make any sense and this is horrible. And it makes a lot of sense later when you find out he's basically a child. Then it's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> but also, you you understand why Spock is like, nope, hard nope on all of this. Well, but he also gets exasperated with Kirk like a million times, rightfully so. Well, I mean, that's just every day. <laughs> yeah, I thought Spock was good in this episode. Yeah, he was really Spock-y good. He episode. had quite a bit to do, and he made sense as a character, and his choices made sense. And well, it's also it's, so it's a very Kirk episode. It's a Kirk centric episode, but Spock has great moments. Yes, for right? sure. It's not a Spock episode, but yeah, there's a couple times where until. And because I forgot the specifics where Kirk would make these choices that I was like, what are you doing? Sure. <laughs> the whole duel thing. I was like, what? <laughs> what is going on? Why I would you do this? I think he's trial and error in it a little bit. I, I think mean, he has some guesses and he's going with them. I think yeah. it, it's, a, it's a very quintessential like um, TOS Kirk, right? It's, he's it acting is. very Kirky, um, which he doesn't always do. That's true. Yeah, I mean, the duel makes a lot of sense because if he thinks the source of power is the mirror... Yeah, but how did he know he was going to be facing the mirror when they duel? That know, was you, could, my... you could rotate, right? If you get a yeah, duel and you, just... you, if you start rotating counterclockwise, the other person is going to start rotating counterclockwise. You could just, like, talk and rotate, presumably, right? would be his, his thought yeah. at, at worst. Um, yeah. Yeah. But speaking of that, should we talk about like what the sound the effects is when doing? the mirror goes off? <laughs> those sound That's effects. Not what I was gonna say. <laughs> no, but those sound effects were crazy, right? It's like all these cartoony sound effects. Did you not pay attention uh, to that? I did not know. I don't think that. I really paid oh. attention to them. All right. Well, that's good to know. I will listen for that later. <laughs> But, um, so I have two theories with that mirror machine, because if I, I'm, all right, so I'm presuming he's a Q, right? I think... It is retconned in the novelizations later that he is that Q. he's a Q. He's, so at, I'm presuming at the he's very a Q. least, he's terrifically Q-like. That he, he's okay. more like a Q than any other individual character we meet in this And he's series. clearly what the Q is based on later. So I, I'm going to just assume he's a Q when I say this. So I think the machines, like, they could be two things. One, they could be, like, for a small child, helping them learn how to, like, hone in their power. That's one theory. Or two, they could be in place to actually limit their power. And, like, kind of, like, buffers. Like, a whole bunch of them to, like, make things a little bit safer. Yeah, I think either works. I I think I would probably lean to the first than the second. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, it, in a sense, it's another sort of toy. Or It's also possible he created it. He was like, or, you know, there, there's potentially some limits on things a queue can do if we're going with the queue. And this is just essentially something that is an extension of his power that he doesn't have to pay attention to. Um, we use a lot of D&D metaphors, but um, it's like, you know, you can't cast a second concentration spell if you already have a concentration spell going. You'd have to break concentration on the first. Maybe if this machine is just continually casting a spell, you don't have to concentrate it anymore. Yeah, and maybe he needs it because either he's young or yep. inexperienced yep. or in a way that the later cues don't really need. Yep. Because we never see a really young Q. We see Q's kid, right? But he's like already kind of like an adolescent by the time we see him in TNG. Is that in TNG or Voyager? Uh, oh, Voyager. yeah. Maybe Voyager. It's in Voyager. it's in Voyager. My bad. But either way, he's a teenager, right? Like, we don't see him as, like... Like, the, like the Squire of Gothos seems to me like he's, like, four. I'd or say five. eight. Like, but... <laughs> like a little kid. Well, he's I, he's not a teenager. Sure. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, or he is on a very long... Um, you know, on a lifespan that, like, he just right, like, right, right, slower. Right. But, like, like compared to, like, a human. Like, sure. my impression is he's in elementary school. Yeah, I'd put him in that 5 to 10, sure. Like, he's a little kid. Um, It does raise, yeah, and it raises questions like what Kirk thinks is going to happen because if he shoots that mirror and it's all of his power, then the castle disappears, too, and they're left on a planet with no oxygen. And well, that's why storms. he clears that up with Spock, and he asks, like, Spock! Could the machine be kept in this house? Which is just a classic Kirk question. And it was classic Shatner acted. And Spock's like, no, Captain. Like, it, it, I don't think it's kept in the house because, like, the machine would have to be, to, like, make the, like, atmosphere okay, would have to be, like, too big. It, it's not the mirror. Yeah, it's a very 60s trope of, like, computers um, have to be bigger to be more powerful. Right. Right. It's a very 60s idea. Um, Which is all they knew. Oh, certainly. Yeah, yeah. No, you see that in a lot of Golden Age science fiction of that, like, planet-sized computers so that they could be more powerful than, like, a room-sized computer. Um, I also have questions about the parents. Like, the parents have been, like, apparently watching it, and they let him capture the Enterprise, right? Well, it kind uh, of seems like... It's hard to say, like, if they've been watching the whole time. Yeah, I think think they really haven't been paying attention. I think they set... (laughs) It's one of those, like set the kid up with the TV and walk yeah, away to go make dinner. <laughs> like... watch, watch these VHS tapes. We're going out for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> then they come back and they're like, crap. Yeah, the house is burning down. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it was that they were paying attention the whole time. I think it was, they were not paying attention for a while and they came to check on them and it was like, what are you doing? <laughs> What yep. choices have you made? It's too quiet over there. We should go check. Yeah, it's it's very much one of those like it's too quiet, and then you go over, and the kid is just like covered in permanent marker or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so are the walls. And the yeah, yeah. I think it was very much that kind of thing, more than anything. But I do, I do kind of like that Kirk kept asking all these questions, and they kept ignoring him. We're like, we're really sorry. Yeah, but what is going on? We're really sorry. It won't happen again. <laughs> Bye. Yeah, like, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> no, 
it is so quintessentially TOS, though, right? It is. It oh is. yeah, yes, um, it's amazing. Well, and at the end, when Spock's like, "Captain, we need to like classify this creature," and he's like, "A naughty little boy," yeah. and Spock's like, "No, no, Captain, I need like a scientific <laughs> <seriously>. classification." <laughs> seriously, this is going in a book. <laughs> we have to send this to Starfleet Command. We really need to be a little more specific. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like space god like it's just oh, space that's powers. one of the many it's always many moments where spock is exasperated powers. oh gosh oh well well to go to um costume corner because we've had a bunch of science corner and i don't care um but i care about <laughs> costume corner <laughs> classic and fair um so many things uh first of all that jacket that jacket oh, <laughs> oh yeah. my god Oh, I no, yeah. love it so much. It is so yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, costume yeah, is, is amazing. It is pretty great. I, I too With his, it. like, mint green pants. Like, I didn't know what to do with <laughs> that. Yeah, when he takes the jacket off and he's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, those pants were too much for me. But the thing I learned about I the coat. I would totally wear those. Yeah, the coat, though, I learned, and I was really happy to learn, that the coat was also used in an episode of Gilligan's Island and an episode of The Monkees. <laughs> so that gave me joy. Oh, uh, was it one where Q shows up on Gilligan's Island? Because I think there are a few of those late Probably. in the series. <laughs> Most likely. Oh, They're really running out of so. ideas in that. I mean, yeah. how many seasons did Gilligan Island have? Like a long many. time. Right? There were many. But and then those like mutton chops, those like the the oh, mutton the chops mutton. that I was just like, those were not. They barely matched his hair color. It was a whole <laughs> thing where I was just like, why is this happening? <laughs> oh man. And. Gilligan's Island only had three seasons, but they had 98 oh. episodes. Oh, my God. I mean, those long seasons. <laughs> and then they had a, a few movies, I think, right? Um, I think so. Like Return to Gilligan's Island and, yeah. Oh, and they had an animated series. Wow. Ooh. We should watch that. Oh, wow. <laughs> Next podcast. <laughs> nope. <laughs> going to pass no, on that one. No, we still got ATAS. <laughs> well, I also like the girls' costume. Oh, yeah. The fancy that pink, pink dress That pink dress hair. was great. Okay, so I have... Some issues, because the dress actually was a decent, like, kind of Regency period dress, uh, formal dress. That was actually, I mean, the fabrics were a little off, the, 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 the embellishments were a little off for, for that kind of time period, but it was relatively good, um, costuming from a a time period perspective. However, the hair was completely (laughs) wrong (laughs) for that time period. But yeah, we've that, already kind of said the time period thing is just... No, know. but I also think that that makes sense because it's like a little kid like trying to remember from like the TV, right? Yeah. And it's kind of just like whatever like pops into his head. Like he's seen a whole bunch of these things and he just like mixes them together. Yeah, but it bothers yeah. me. But I did, the other thing I liked, um, so I guess in the, the, the trial section where, you know, Kirk is on trial, quote unquote, um, the wig that Trillane wears originally was like a 17th century French wig and uh, William Campbell the actor was like this would not be the wig <laughs> why am I wearing this wig and um, Kurt and, and Shatner was like it doesn't matter just wear the stupid wig <laughs> and they got into a fight about it because Shatner didn't want to delay to find the correct style of wig um, but then I think, uh, either a producer got, I think a producer got involved. I think it was. I think it was the yeah. producer that got involved in, to arbitrate basically. And, um, Campbell won. And so they got a, a, a more traditional, like, um, judge's wig from the period. Um, <laughs> Which is amazing. <laughs> instead of the, the 17th century wig. But I found that amusing that Shatner was just like, well, it doesn't matter. 
<laughs> but I also found it amusing that Campbell was like, because this it said this to him in Ralph, that he was like, like I can't even do this scene like <laughs> With without the, the proper it such, way. It was such an actor <laughs> thing. Yeah. Like, such was, an actor it thing. Was such an actor. Con- <laughs> like I, I get it to a point, but also. <laughs> it was it was a thing and then it's also well it's also that scene is very much um again if we talk about how later q is informed by this performance like the first thing q does is put um picard and humanity on trial yeah um and dresses in in human period um costume uh from a later century right i think it's like the it's uh, like the 19th. 21st or 22nd. Yeah. 19th century. Yeah. No, well, no the, in uh, the pilot, right, of uh, TNG? Of TNG. Oh, yeah. maybe. I'm, no, I'm it's picturing it's like late 21st yeah. century or 20th century. It, it's future. It's future, like, trials. Um, I forget what war they're talking about, but, like, mm. it's a future war. But um, I didn't realize that that was inspired from this scene until I rewatched it this time. It, I it's mean, so it, obviously inspired. It would have to be, right, when they start... <sighs> Well, especially because it's such an early TNG episode too. I think so. Like a lot of the early TNG episodes took a lot from TOS. Yep. Yes, they sure did. Yeah, there's some Uh, like very clear rip-offs in other episodes, but this one is yeah very very much inspiring to that Mm -hmm. character. I agree. So, can we turn to music corner? Because uh, it's so rare for Star Trek to use actual pieces by composers, <laughs> and, and this I was they like, two. <laughs> no, I think they used three. Oh, I just saw two, but that's fine. Yeah, the two by Scarlatti, and then the Strauss, uh, the Strauss uh, Waltz, and I, I, like I was listening to them, and I'm like, these sound too good to be by like <laughs> some like TV composer. And then yeah, I read on Memory Alpha that they had actually like taken them, and I was like, wow. Which also means the the time period is off because Johann Strauss the second lived in like the 19th century. He lived in like the he wrote waltzes in like the 1880s and 1890s. Yeah, it seems like they weren't caring about that, right? They would have wanted to use a uh, contemporary piece. Right. But it was a cool waltz to waltz to. Which do you think the yo, the yo, the yeoman? Yeoman. Oh, yeoman. <laughs> do you think she knew how to waltz, or do you think that was part of his? Powers? No, I think it was part of his power. Oh, okay. Because I thought. Why would fun. she know how to waltz? <laughs> I don't know. Because they like know things in the future. <laughs> I don't know. Like in TNG, like they know how to like be in like professional sounding string quartets. Like I don't know. Like they just study the arts for fun. Well, yeah, but I I don't know. I think TNG pretty much establishes that that's not or or TOS. <laughs> like they just kind of random things. I mean, Sulu knows that offense, but. <laughs> They do know random things. Well, so yeah. there's other random knowledge uh, at the very end, right? That also betrays the the like um, the writer, um, which ha- happens every once in a while. Oh yeah. Um, where he, Kirk says, uh, you know, he was acting like a little boy, and uh, and then uses the metaphor of like dipping girls' pigtails yeah. in inkwells. Yeah. It's like, how would you have any idea what inkwells you are, wouldn't. and how would you have done that as a kid? You would. Like, you not. probably didn't. No. You didn't even have pencils i bet <laughs> like or pens or pens right yeah. or pens that have ink in them um you would yeah there's no reason for him to use that metaphor and it's just no. like oh well the writer just inserted themselves culturally into this episode because that's what they did as a kid right um, or that's that's what they had heard of as a kid, sure right? sure i mean they in a, a cultural sense right, right um but yeah those sneak in every once in a while it's like oh well <laughs> that's, that's i mean weird. when did inkwells like even go I mean, you certainly could have been in 
I bet depression era, era schools had had inkwells. Mm-hmm. But certainly, I but, mean, like so, like our grandparents, or, or might have, yeah, yeah, might have been the last people. To sure, abuse I think post-war that would be very rare, maybe. But again, look, school funding is is difficult. <laughs> so there's certainly, um, I bet there's schools in the country that had inkwells into the '60s, '70s, even. But um, I don't think that would have been common. I think it would have been a, a cultural touchstone in the like 20s, 30s. Right. Probably when this yeah. writer was growing up again. Yeah, which makes sense. And it was still, yeah, because I'm not even, like, if we said that metaphor or that, yeah, to our students right now, I wonder if they would still know it. Yeah, I mean, I could picture, you know, the wooden desk that has an inkwell at the yeah. front of it. Um, it built into the desk. Not that I ever used one, but culturally, I would know. But I would agree that I bet our, our students have no idea of what that is. Because they, like, they don't even, like, like some, and, like, little kids right now, I don't know if you talked to them, but they say things like, why do you say hang up the phone? Like, they have no idea why you would, like, where that came from. I don't think I say that anymore, but, um, you know, I would say, why are you using a phone? <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you just text me? I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, what, like, what is this thing ringing? Is, stop it. <laughs> it's true. So, do we have more to say? Because otherwise I want to turn to sort of the messages of this episode. No, I don't. Um, we could very quickly knock out how powerful this guy is because... Um, pretty up there right yeah sure <laughs> um, i mean i think he's the most powerful well so i think the top of the list that is taking out all the load here come on um is the world destroyer from um the episode oh, yeah. um the world destroyer what is the name of that episode Ugh, mm. i'm just gonna try to reload this page thanks internet <laughs> well I, and i mean i think a q could just blink that out of existence in a second even a child q i mean he could move the planet around yeah um, he moves the planet around with, with ease. Um, and th that thing was a planet destroyer. Um, I, re I think that like Q's, I think it's well established, especially in later series, that Q's are just like the most powerful creatures pretty much in the galaxy. Mitchell's also up there, but I think we'd say, oh, the thing at the very top is time travel. Um, now that, now that this list is actually loaded. Um, but we, didn't we say that, or see later, that Qs can try and travel pretty easily? Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So it's there's no indication that he can time travel. Yeah, but, I mean, there's no indication he can. Well, but he's still pretty young. So I would think his, yeah, his think control of powers are a little bit lower. Yeah. Because he still needs, like, assistance to control it. So I I kind of think he'd be a little bit lower just because of that. Yeah, I think John Maybe? Delancey's Q is Yeah, John Delancey's Q would be at the top, I think. But I think this, I think Trelane would not quite be there. Yeah, and I think this is where we, we're going to start, like, like Charlie X. Some of these very powerful creatures, um, it's going to be tricky because we want to think about what their powers could be. But I, I think right. you're right, Abby, that um, he probably could blink the, the Doomsday Machine, which is the name of yeah. that episode, out of existence. Oh, I'm sure of that because he, and, he and, links other things. And I think he could also beat Mitchell pretty handily. Oh, yeah, um, which is right below question. that. Um, but again, he clearly isn't time traveling since he gets time so incredibly wrong in this episode. Right. So um, okay, so because of that, I'm okay with putting him below. Yeah. That. So I think he's second to uh, uh, again. We put time travel in there in a really weird way. It's the only like abstract idea on this list. <laughs> um, but I think that's I think that's a good place for it. I like it. Okay. 
I'll put him there or you'll put him there. Thanks, pal. So let's talk about the messages of this piece. And the reason I wanted to was because it was actually discussed on Memory Alpha that apparently this episode was written as a war metaphor, which for once I didn't pick up on. Well, because I think it was originally written that way and ended up not being that. Well, I mean, there's still elements. Yeah, I think there are elements, but I don't think the finished product ended up being quite that idea no no so but but i was trying to list the elements and it was like the line you said abby like the spock line i object to you to the intellect without discipline to the power without constructive purpose like that seems like it would have been a prime line for like a war metaphor episode right sure like the ridiculous almost slaughter of kirk and like their little like duel like that could have been like part of that uh, like the idea of like the space predators that prey on themselves, like how people are some of the only creatures that like prey on their own kind, like that could have been read as a commentary on that. Uh, and then of course, like the ruled by a child, like kind of trope, like commenting on a specific politician or a group of politicians or something uh, and how they're basically incompetent and idiots and like are creating these like war games that, have actual, you know, human life costs. I think there's better episodes that touch on some of those things. There are. So I was thinking about what the actual, uh, uh, what I actually think this is about, what the actual message is. And tell me if you agree with this. But I think it's about idealization. Hmm. Um, and but like uh, and like uh, kind of idealizing reality. So it happens a lot, and it begins with the desert where they're talking, uh, like, Bones and Kirk are talking about the space desert, and they're like, ah, space deserts are so romantic. palm trees, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because of, like, the oasis. And Spock's like, uh, no, like, that's (laughs) not romantic at all. Like, stop idealizing it, that's stupid. And then, like, Gothos idealizes Earth and, like, creates all these things, but then it has, like, the no substance behind it, like the wine with no taste, the food with no taste, the fire with no heat, etc., etc., etc. And it's, like, and then uh, even Kirk you know, not really idealizes, but, but uses deception uh, to sort of trick Trelane. And I don't know, the whole episode, or at least a lot of it, seems to center around this idea of idealization and deception. I can also see, I mean, I think you could probably make a case for um, some metaphors about colonialism and imperialism, right? That um, he's acting very much like uh, a, a colonizing force or an imperialistic force that's going to somewhere um, that is you know, ostensibly less developed and saying, hey, look at me, I'm powerful. Uh, essentially worship me because I have all these powers that you don't. Um, uh, do the I'm things I want things you to do um, and you'll live here now. And then, I mean, a lot of those metaphors about, yeah, like I'm, I'm the one in control because I'm powerful. Um, or yeah. The... Is this the first episode? I, and I, because we're watching them out of order, but Paul, to follow up on that, and Abby, too, if you know, is this the first episode where... Uh, they're like there's one of it's these one of these races that's like all powerful and like makes humanity look really humble. Uh, no, uh, this uh, is pretty late. Charlie in the first X season. Charlie X is the second episode, yeah. uh, but he's oh, not necessarily yeah. right. Is but he's he... not one of those races. Right? Yeah, I forget how he gets his powers. Is it a space accident? I forget. <laughs> um... I forget too. We haven't watched that one. No, it's a good. But you episode. know what I'm saying? Well, you also have the pilot, right? The menagerie, which whether you watch it as a pilot or you watch it right, as the but menagerie. But he gets space powers. 
Uh, no, no. Well, in Menagerie, right, the whole idea is there's the aliens behind the scenes that are so oh, powerful. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's that are right. so powerful oh, yeah. that they say you can never go to this planet because they're so powerful. Um, right, 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 right. Um, I forgot about that. We got to watch that one, too. Yeah, that's a good one. Um yeah, so I mean, those would both be before this. So we've okay, seen powerful so creatures. I don't know that we've seen the concept that there's a whole race of these out there. Yeah, it becomes species. this interesting trope, like that people, humanity is just like beginning the tip of the exploration or beginning like the tip of the technological sort of future, and and like it it really like it makes. You know, it makes Kirk just seem super humble and small sure. and little compared to, like, he's the child. No, I mean, Corbinite Maneuver was also before that. Again, Warrior No Man has gone before. Um, so, yeah, they, they, they are painting a big picture in this first season that, like, humans are not at the top of this chain. Um, that right. when you start to explore, which, again, it's a, a very, you know, gold and silver age sci-fi idea that you go out into the... Yeah. Uh, universe like you're not going to be the ones that are powerful you're going to run into all these super powerful creatures that have already been out there that are already established and you're just sort of like wading out into it um which shows up in a lot of later episodes too um yeah exactly i guess that's all i wanted to say oh except for this is the one that futurama spoofs right futurama spoofs a ton of things yeah the 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 core at the end right the the way out of that episode is the idea that the space cloud which is more like the space cloud from obsession (laughs) um but talks right so it's very much like Trelane. um his parents come and say hey stop playing with your toys or whatever um yeah yeah so the 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 way out of it at the the where no fan has gone before episode that's what it's called right no, that, this this episode is very heavily in that episode. But there's lots of other episodes in there, too. Yeah, magical. No, again, this this episode, um, if you're if somebody was like, hey, I want to watch five episodes of Star Trek original series and just get a feel for what it is, I think you have to put this episode in that five. Um, I think, it wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, that like this captures a lot of what culturally I think people think of from Star Trek. And you... I'd agree with that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put top five, but top ten probably. Top ten? I'd probably say this is maybe in my top ten favorites. Um, hmm. Maybe top tens. I mean, it's just a weird, playful episode, right? It only has maybe one or two troubling parts, um, <laughs> which is a low number for a lot of these episodes. <laughs> it actually um, is. To, to have so few problematic moments... Um, and it's it's got you know it's a great Kirk episode. It's a it's a good Spock episode. It's got a lot of characters in it. It's a fun episode. It is. Class. It's a classic episode. It is very episode. much a classic episode. I will agree with that. Shall we play bingo? Speaking of classic things, sure we can play bingo. I have one clarifier this time. So there is a moment where. Um, they get a little meta because Bones is like, you'd think this is fascinating, don't you, Spock? And Spock is like, eh, it's interesting. But he does say the word fascinating in response, so does it count as yes, Spock I, saying I, fascinating? I, I, I actually so too, thought... because, yeah, you're right, it's very meta, but Spock does, like, 
he he steps out of himself and says like yes the words i might say here like fascinating interesting <laughs> like he doesn't say them in that way but he says like yes these are he words says that say a lot. <laughs> um, okay then i will so i will hang count a hat it. on it but I all right i will i will count it then that's fine um, um i don't there's that... space powers right they um they are bone strings trapped uh, bone strings communicators um, don't work there's a captain's log there's yeah. a recurring character yeah a lot of recurring characters um yeah, I mean, if if we've had a chance in recent times, this is maybe a good place for it. <laughs> the things that don't happen, right? He doesn't say like he's dead, Jim. Um, Unfortunately, they don't. He doesn't get his shirt ripped, right? Unfortunately, he doesn't. <laughs> um, there was a sure. chance, but it didn't happen. There was a chance. He did get in a fight. Ah, um, oh, such a shame. But yeah, I mean, again, it, it's a very prototypical tropey episode, so. Think, All right, Paul says yes, then I have to say no. We don't have to. <laughs> um, we... They say the name of the episode, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, they do. Our one away. Oh. <laughs> Damn it. What I is hate it? this game. We needed Klingons or Romulans, and then we would have oh. had it. It was so close. And there are a lot in this episode. There's Captain's Log. There's Communicators Don't Work. Space Powers. Ancient Earth History is referenced. The away team is trapped on the planet. The title of the episode is said. Uh, Spock's is fascinating. Bones drinks. There's recurring actors. So there's there's a lot, a lot, a lot in this episode. But we were just, we were so close. It would be, it would have been great if you had statues of Romulans or Klingons. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I would have totally counted Because Balance of Terror has already happened at this point, right? Yeah, yeah, balance terror happened. So they could have had a a Romulan in there. It was so close, you guys. It was so close. (laughs) I was, I was excited for a couple minutes, and then I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be just. It's gonna be so close again." And it was, and I was sad. Yeah, especially if you see that square with Romulans and Klingons on it, just hanging out there that you know you're gonna get. It's like, oh man, but mm, so close. Shots. But we Ooh, can, are we picking out of the real life hat? We can see what we're watching next time. Ooh, I see Let's the hat. Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out. Ooh, what is it? What is it? I don't know yet. Pick something good. I have no control at all <laughs> over any of this. It is completely random. Nonetheless. Ooh, we are going to season two. And we're going to episode 26, actually the last episode of season two, Assignment Earth. While back in time observing Earth in 1968, the Enterprise crew encounters the mysterious Gary Seven who has his own agenda on the planet. Oh, you guys have got to type in images. I do not remember this one at all. I do. I just, I sort of forget what happens. Holy yeah, I don't crap. Really remember what is that cat? I want to say that Gary Seven's like a time cop, but yeah, I don't really, Guys, I don't really I remember. I seriously like do not even remember seeing these characters. Who are these women? What? Who is this cat? What? Oh, are you on Memory Alpha? No, I'm just on the Google Google Images. <laughs> you just Google image assignment Earth. Yeah. All right. Well. <laughs> well, we will like, figure I don't out. Remember any of those. Um, and next, we will next learn time, things yeah. the next time. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Beam3, Instagram 3D Beam Up, Facebook 3D Beam Up. Uh, we have a website, uh, 3beamup.com, I think. Uh, that's true. Uh, and subscribe and tell people and give us a rating and all that kind of podcasty stuff that one is supposed to do with podcasts you like. Ratings. <laughs> yeah. ratings are super important right <laughs> it's, it's very easy to be the 
it's very easy to be the person who thinks, oh, I don't have to do a rating because everybody else will do it. And here's the answer. No one else does it. So you, <laughs> no you are the person very who few ratings. spend five minutes <laughs> making could. a rating somewhere. You, you can be person. that person. You can be it. And then you could feel smug and superior to everyone else. Yep. I love feeling that way. Um, But yeah, next time, Assignment (laughs) Earth. Join us then.